Good morning. Thank you, Mr. David Masden. Good morning. Thank you, Andy Masden. <laughs> hey, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We have a full service. Uh, it's an exciting service, and uh, we're going to recognize our graduates this morning. We'll do that in just a little bit after we sing some praise songs together. But we're going to start with our sunshine singers. they got a couple songs they're going to do. So if you'll give them your attention, and they will sing for us. Ah. 
Awesome. Thank you, boys and girls. <clears throat> if you all will stand with us now at this time, and let's worship together. sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings Amazing grace, this is a failing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you laid down your life, that I would be set free, oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of his brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is a failing love. Then you would take my place. Then you would bear my you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is a failing love. And you would take my place. And you would be. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. 
How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the Through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. could imagine so great a mercy one heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my living hope oh hallelujah
Amen. You may be seated. God is good. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church, where we are family. And as a family, we celebrate together. And so we want to celebrate uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're also going to celebrate in just a couple moments uh, some of our graduates. So it's an exciting uh, time for that. But first of all, let me welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We are glad to have you, thankful to have you uh, with us. Uh, inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. You can place that in the box uh, that's out there in the foyer on your way out. We would greatly appreciate that. I mean, didn't our Sunshine Singers do an incredible job this morning? Here's, here's the thing, though, and some of you all know this. You blink, and then they become high school graduates. Uh, and here we are to, to recognize them. So uh, if you have a little one that was up here singing, enjoy it, because uh, they grow up fast. And so we do want to spend a few minutes uh, this morning. We're gonna, this is going to be a lengthier service. You're not going to get out at 1130 like we have been in the last year during COVID, just giving you a heads up. Uh, because we're not going to rush through the graduate time, and, and I'm not going to rush through my sermon either. So uh, we're just going to celebrate. Uh, thank you, a couple of people of you clapped. So um, appreciate that. So before we recognize our high school graduates, we do want to acknowledge our college graduates. And I don't think either one of them are here, but we do have two, and we want to uh, acknowledge them. And so Eden Smith is graduating from Shorter University with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Psychology. And so congratulations to Eden. And then, yep. Yeah. And then Lainey Waller is graduating from Georgia College and State University with a Bachelor's of Art degree in English with a concentration in creative writing. And so congratulations to Lainey as well. That is a, that is a big, big accomplishment. And so we just want to acknowledge that. This morning we're going to recognize three high school uh, graduates. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to call them out one by one, uh, call them by name one by one. They're going to come up here. Uh, we have a, a journal or a devotional for them. Uh, then we have a diploma uh, from Northside to them. While they're coming up here, I'm just going to share just a brief uh, conversation or story about each of them. And after I do that, then we'll have them be joined by their parents, and then we're going to read through uh, their accomplishments. So the first one that we're going to recognize is Emma Elizabeth Lucas. So give Emma a round of applause. So a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to go uh, to their chapel service at Trinity, and Emma uh, was speaking. They had three seniors that were sharing, and the Bible teacher that introduced each of them was so complimentary, but he said this about Emma. He said, Emma is the epitome of a young, godly woman. I don't think it could be said better than that. You all know Emma. Emma is a picture of what it looks like to be a godly woman woman and we are so proud of you Emma and so thankful for you all right her mom and dad are going to come join her I had a chance this morning Ryan and I to take these three out we went to Waffle House I uh, had a great time of just hanging out and getting to talk um, just just love these three so much so Emma is graduating with honors from Trinity Christian School Emma has served as the president of Trinity's Chick-fil-a Leadership Academy and received the Chick-fil-a Operators Choice Scholarship her outstanding work ethic, ethic and character, having worked at the Poplar Road Chick-fil-A for the last two years. And that Chick-fil-A is always busy. Emma does an incredible job. Uh, 
She is a member of both the Beta Club and the Student Council of Trinity, as well as a member of the National Society of High School Scholars. She played varsity lacrosse at Trinity. Emma has attended Northside Baptist Church her entire life, has served in the church nursery, volunteered with VBS, and in the upward concession stand, sang in the worship team and the youth worship team. She went on mission trips to Kentucky and Pennsylvania and spearheaded Operation Christmas Child. Emma will be going to Georgia College and State University in the fall, and her favorite verse is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which says, For God has not given me a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Congratulations, Miss Emma. All right, next is Alexander Henry Roth. So you guys know several months ago for you Sunday, Alex preached. And for a minute, I thought I might, my, my job might be in jeopardy. Um, he did an incredible job. He and I went out to Moe's a couple weeks ago, just the two of us, just to hang out. And when I think of Alex, man, I think of, of spiritual maturity. And it was evident when he preached God's word that he had a love for God's word. I mean, he was quoting scripture after scripture. He has a heart and a passion for the word of God. And so we are so proud of you, Alex, and thankful for, for your testimony as a young godly man. So, all right, if mom and dad will come join Alex, we'll share his accomplishments. Alex is graduating from Abeka Academy with a 4.1 GPA and the President's Award for Academic Achievement. Since October, Alex has been working for his dad at Concrete Masonry and Supply. Here at Northside, Alex has volunteered in VBS, has been a coach and a referee for Upward, and he does a fantastic job with that, by the way. Let me just say that. He has served on the youth worship team, works in the sound booth. Alex has been on mission trips to Alaska, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and has volunteered with Operation Christmas Child. He has helped with several church cleanup days and men's work days, and was our pastor for You Sunday. Alex will be serving as a camp counselor this summer at Bible Memory Ministries and will be attending Liberty University online in the fall. Alex's favorite verses are Psalm 27, 1 and verse 4. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Alex, we are so proud of you, man. And last but not least, we're talking about it this morning, poor, poor Luke, being a V, Vegas, always at the end of the order. Uh, but last is Luke Dylan Vega. So let, me, let me tell you something about Luke. So about a month and a half or two months ago, after a Sunday morning service, I get a text message from a number that I'm not familiar with. And it said, hey, pastor, this is Luke Vega. I just wanted to reach out to you because I would love to be able to spend some time with you to get to know you a little bit better. Right in the season of COVID, didn't really get to know him. And I want to tell you how much that meant to me because how many high school seniors, males, do you know 
that would send a message to somebody and say, hey, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And so we went out to eat ice cream at the Creamistry, which was a great choice. And, uh, man, what I, what I learned about Luke getting to know him a little bit better, one is his maturity. To send somebody a text message shows the maturity, but also his intelligence. Luke is a bright young man. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what, what his plans are going forward. And I know God's going to use Luke in a powerful way. Um, and so, Luke, we, we are so thankful for you and excited for you and, and proud of you. If you'll be joined by your family up here. So Luke is graduating with high honors from Northgate High School in the top 8% of his class. Luke has served as a leader in Northgate's Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, president of the History Club, and a member of both the Beta Club and the National Honor Society with advanced and AP classes all four years of high school. As a triple threat athlete, Luke has served as a team captain of both varsity football and lacrosse and competed in track and field. Here in Northside, Luke has coached upward flag football, refereed for upward soccer, helped in children's church, served as a volunteer in VBS, and helped with church cleanup days and men's, work, and men's ministry work days. Luke will be going to Mercer University in the fall, majoring in biochemistry, and eventually with hopes of going into pre-med. Um, and so Luke is going to have a chance to help people uh, the rest of his life. His favorite verse is Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Luke, man, we are so proud of you as well. I'm going to keep this brief, and then I'm going to try not to cry, since you were teasing me earlier about not crying. You guys know one of my favorite verses since I was a kid is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen, I want you all to know that God has a plan for you. He knows what that plan is. It's a good plan. He'll be faithful to you. The question for you is, are you going to follow his plan? Are you going to choose to follow his will and his direction for your life? And man, if you do that, your future is bright. And, and God is going to use each and every one of you in the different fields, in the different ways where he takes you for his glory and his honor. So here's what we're going to do. I want to, I'm going to pray over them in a minute. And then after that, they're going to be seated, and we have a video uh, that we're going to show you. But before that, I want to give a huge, huge shout-out to Miss Andy Masden, who has done... Thank you. A Andy has worked hard on the, on the pictures, the slideshow, getting all of this ready for me, collecting all of this information, and so uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray together, and then you all can be seated after we pray, and we'll, we'll check out some of these pictures and reminisce together. Father, long before this moment, long before this day, long before this hour, this moment, Lord, you have been bringing them to this place, and Northside has been able to be a part of their journey, and their parents have played a pivotal role in their journey. You've allowed me over these last 15 months, Father, to be part of this journey. So we thank you for that, God. Father, this is just the beginning for them. You're going to open new doors for them and new opportunities, and they're going to make new friends and, and meet new teachers and be challenged in different ways. Lord, I pray that whatever comes their way, 
they will always come back to the Word of God that Northside and their parents have been faithful to teach them. That Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Father, you have a purpose and a plan for them. You know what's best for them, and it never goes wrong if we stay in the center of your will. Father, they're going to face different challenges and temptations. Lord, help them to remain pure and holy and focused on you. Father, bring them godly friends into their life and prepare their hearts for the great things that you have in store for them. Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of this journey. And as we just see these pictures and smile and laugh, and may we be reminded of your goodness and of your grace in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't mind if you got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and hang it in a gallery of all the who's who's and so and so's that used to be the best at such and such. It
got something nice to say about me I enjoy an accolade like the rest And you could take my picture and hang it in a gallery Of all the who's who's and so-and-so's That used to be the best at such and such It wouldn't matter
humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
wonderful name, Jesus Christ. Let's continue to stand and sing together. Oh, how I love Jesus. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. It tells me what my Father has in store for every day. Though I tread a darksome path, you'll sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loves me. It tells of one whose loving heart can fill my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. standing if you will take your bibles and turn to the book of ruth as we continue our study there ruth chapter one ruth chapter one we're actually going to look at verses seven through eighteen but we're just going to read verses fifteen through eighteen right now this is the word of the lord she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you, and when Naomi saw that, she was determined to go with her. She said, no more. You may be seated. We live in an I world, right? The world of I, me, myself, and I. In 1998, Steve Jobs and Apple released the iMac. The iMac came out, and in his release, he talked about what the I in iMac stood for. And the main thing he said it stood for is internet, right? Most people who wanted a computer, a desktop, wanted access to the internet. But he went on to say it stood for some other things, instruct, inform, inspire, 
and individual. Individual. Right? We have the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, iTunes, and right? It, you can personalize it to make it all about you. Whatever apps you want to download, it's all about you. We live in the world of I. We live in a culture that is self-centered, individualistic, narcissistic, in which we worship the self. And this impacts everything about our lives, including our relationships. It impacts our relationship with God. It impacts our relationship with others, the selfishness that every one of us has to deal with. And so in our text this morning, we get a glimpse into the life of a young woman named Ruth. And in these verses, we will see Ruth's love and her commitment to her mother-in-law and to Naomi's God. So in an I world, which would have been the same way years ago, right, we see Ruth stand out as an example of one who gives herself to God and to others. So what we're going to do is we're going to quickly work our way through verses 7 through 18, and then I want to come back and I want to highlight four words. So let, let's just let the story play out for us. Going back to verse 7. So she set out from the place, that's Naomi, set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah, right? She's going home. She's going back to Bethlehem. Verse 8. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Naomi speaks. This is the first conversation we see in the book of Ruth, and it will not be the last. There's a lot of dialogue that takes place. Naomi speaks to Ruth and to Orpah, and she tells them three times. This is the first time she tells them three times, go home, go back to Moab, don't come with me. It's as if Naomi is saying, listen, ladies, I have nothing for you. If you come with me, you're going to have nothing because that's what I have. Return to your homes, get married, have children, have a life. You have a future in Moab, not with me. We continue in verse 9. Then she kissed him, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. They began to weep together, and they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. Thanks, Naomi, but no thanks. We're coming with you. But Naomi is not going to accept this. She wants them to go back home. So she continues, verse 11, and her argument is convincing. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, that may become your husbands? Look, ladies, do I have any men that you can marry? I'm not even pregnant. I have nothing for you. Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? That's a good argument. Are you going to wait 20-something years, 16 years for me to have a child? If I can get pregnant, you're going to marry him? What if it's not even a guy? Like, what are you waiting on? There's no hope with me. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Right? Naomi is saying, listen, ladies, you need a husband. You need a family. You need security. I can't offer you that. I cannot offer you that. It's a convincing argument. And then verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices, and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. Right? They cry again. And then we see in this story, Orpah kisses her mother-in-law, Naomi, goodbye. 
and she returns back to Moab, and she's never mentioned again in the Scriptures. Orpah exits stage right, and she doesn't come back into the picture. Look, Orpah does the expected and reasonable thing. I mean, her mother-in-law's pleading with her, go home, you don't have a future with me. We can't blame her for saying, okay, I mean, I want a future, I want some hope, and she goes home. But what about Ruth? What does Ruth do? Well, it tells us there in verse 14, but Ruth clung to her. And now Ruth is going to speak. She becomes front and center as she answers her mother-in-law. These are beautiful verses, famous words, words that are often used at weddings. These are words that were used uh, at our wedding right before we lit the unity candle, right? Somebody read these words over us, so we often apply them to marriage. But in this context, this is a daughter-in-law saying this to her mother-in-law, and this is what she says. We already read it once. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God's return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. How does Naomi respond? Oh, thank you, sweetie. Thank you for coming with me. No, it says this. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. She said nothing. Maybe they hug, and maybe they just start walking. Warren Wearsby, summarizing these three ladies, writes this, and I thought it was interesting. He said, Naomi was trying to cover up. Now, Warren Wearsby's understanding as he's interpreting this is that one of the reasons Naomi didn't want to take these women back with her into Bethlehem is because they were Moabite women. And maybe she was embarrassed by that. And, and that makes sense. I can see that. Naomi was trying to cover up. Orpah had given up. But Ruth was prepared to stand up. Ruth is prepared to stand up. And Ruth says some things here. And I want you to notice four words that sets her apart in that culture and would set her apart today in our culture. So here's the first word. The first word I want you to notice in our text is the word clung. Clung. It happens in verse 14. Look at it with me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ian DeGuide in his commentary on Ruth writes this. Here the text uses the same verb that is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to describe the bond that exists in marriage. So this Hebrew word in English in verse 14 is interpreted clung. Now let me read it for you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and in that chapter it's interpreted, same Hebrew word, but interpreted hold fast. So clung, and then hold fast in Genesis 2, same Hebrew word, and they shall become one flesh. This will be on the screen. The Hebrew word is a word that describes loyalty to a covenant commitment. At this moment, Ruth is pledging not a contract with her mother-in-law, but a covenant. She is making this commitment, this beautiful commitment in this moment, not to her mother, but to her mother-in-law. Some of you have great mother-in-laws like I do. Some of you, maybe you wouldn't say that about your mother-in-law. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't even say that about your own mom. Be willing to pledge 
to the extent that, that Ruth does, but this is what she does. Let me, let me describe for you what a contract is versus a covenant. Because here's the thing. In the I world in which we live, so many people today operate based on a contract, not a covenant. And they are completely different things. Here's a contract. Contracts are based on if-then mentality. A contract is based upon what's in it for me. How many relationships do you know that that's how that relationship is based on? So many people today, that's what their marriage is based on. They, they say their vows, but in the back of their mind, what they're saying is, well, as long as this is still good for me, I'm in it. Look, I, I, know, I know we live in a sinful world and divorce happens. I get that. I understand that. But when I sit down with couples that I'm counseling, one of the first things I say to them is this. If you come to this counseling session and you come to this marriage and for you, divorce is an option that's on the table, I will not marry you. If already, before you even get into this, you're already thinking about a way out, then I want out. I don't want any part of this. Now, I'd love to say every couple that I've married is still married. That's not the case. Multiple of them probably have been divorced by now. I know of at least one or two, right? But that's how we operate. It's an if-then mentality. And we do that in our relationships with a friend or even a church. As long as you're doing this for me, then I'm in. But the second I stop getting anything out of this relationship, I'm checking out, right? It's a contract, but that's not a covenant. A covenant is based on steadfast love and makes unconditional promises till death do us part. Marriage and this relationship that we see with Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, this is a covenant. This is not a contract. Marriage is meant to be permanent. It's not temporary. In our relationships, right, with our parents and, and with, our, with our children, going through the adoption process, I was shocked at the number of stories of people who adopted a child only days, weeks, months later to say, here, take this child back. Like, what did you think this was, a contract? Like, you're going to try out this kid for a while, and if it doesn't work out, you're going to give them back? Because we live in an I world. This is the mentality of so many people. But look what Ruth says here. She makes five statements. Five statements. Quickly, let's go through this. Verse 16. But Ruth says, statement number one, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Stop telling me to go back to Moab. I'm in this. That's number one. Number two, for where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Ron, I'm thankful that you followed me to Florida and now to Georgia. And then you didn't say, sorry, I'm not going there, right? Ruth said, where you go, I'll go. I'm all in. Third statement, your people shall be my people, your God, my God. That's the foundation. We're going to circle back to that in a moment. Fourth statement, where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. Fifth statement, may the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. In this I world, we are willing to love others and commit to others if it's beneficial to us. Because at the end of the day, it's all about me. Our word is easily broken easily broken. We say we'll do something and we're quick to go back on our word. We are quick to abandon our commitments. We are quick to walk away from our covenants. But this is not how Ruth lived. Ruth is confessing her love for Naomi. It is a, hear me, selfless, sacrificial, and indefinite love. And that kind of love is countercultural back then and today. And I would say to you, this is the kind of love the world ought to see from us as followers of Christ. A sacrificial, selfless love that is in it, even 
in the difficult times for the long haul, our friends know we're there. Our coworkers know we're there. Our family knows we're there. Our church family knows you're here. We're all in it together. So the first word is clung, this covenant that we see her make with her mother-in-law. But then here's the second word, and this is the crucial one, church, and that is the word God. Because right there in the middle of this beautiful statement, she says this, your people shall be my people and your God my God. Ruth at this moment is confessing her faith in the true and living God. The Hebrew word here for God is Elohim. When I looked up Elohim on my uh, Greek commentary software, it simply said this, the true God. She is pledging her allegiance to the one true God. Now notice that in contrast to Orpah, verse 15. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her what? Gods. Not only does Orpah leave the scene here, but she's returning back to Moab where they did not worship the one true God, but they worship Chemosh and other false gods. But Ruth is saying, listen, Naomi, not only am I making a covenant to you, but I'm committing my life to follow after your God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, the one true God. As I was studying this week, I came to John chapter 6. Let me read these words for you. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 66. It says this, After this, many of his disciples turned back. I thought of Orpah. She turned back from her mother-in-law. It says this, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. No longer walked with Jesus. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Ruth, in this moment, is pledging her life to the one true God. And she's willing to follow this God and to worship this God. Church, do you have a relationship with the one true God? Do you know the living God? Do you know the living God through his son, Jesus Christ? Because hear me, we're living in a world, a world about I, in which so many people are trying to deconstruct their faith and deconstruct who God is. So I'm reading a book right now called Before You Lose Your Faith, Deconstructing Doubt in the Church. There's this popular trend going on right now in America where famous uh, musicians, Christian musicians, famous uh, athletes, right, are deconstructing their faith. They grew up in the faith, they grew up in church, they said they believed in Jesus, but now they're deconstructing it. They're tearing it all apart, trying to figure out what is true. And the majority of them walk away from the truthfulness of God's word. So one of these chapters, there's a guy by the name of Brett McCracken, and he writes this. He says, consider all the ways Christianity subverts current norms in Western culture. And I thought this went right along with this I world mentality. He says this, in a believe in yourself world, Christianity calls you to deny yourself and take up your cross. In a you-do-you world that emphasizes expressive individualism, authenticity, and nonconformity, Christianity is about conforming to the likeness of Jesus and being imitators of God. In a self-oriented world of self-promotion, self-help, and selfies, Christianity calls you to be others-focused servants. In a world that says you should be free to do with your body whatever you wish, Christianity says you ought to glorify God with your body. In a pluralistic world with a diversity of beliefs in which all roads lead to heaven is a comforting thought, 
Christianity calls you to believe there is only one path to heaven, trusting in Jesus Christ. In this I world, we want to worship the God of our imagination or the Jesus as we see him or understand him. But hear me, that is not how this thing works. It's not how it works. You don't get to choose to worship the Jesus of your choosing. You don't get to make Jesus whoever you want him to be. Hear me clearly. Jesus has said who he is. He has said who he is. You have one or two, one of two choices. Either you turn your back on Jesus and you walk away from him like the disciples did in John chapter 6. Or you declare with the disciples in John chapter 6, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else could we possibly go? And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, we got three students who just graduated. You better believe they're going to have professors, even maybe at a Christian college, who are going to try to get them to walk away from what their parents and from what you and I have taught them for the last 18 years or 10 years, however long they've been here. And it will not take you guys long until you get that. And in that moment, when all of the world is telling you to walk away, every single one of us has a choice. Are we going to be like those disciples who said, hey, this is getting too hard for me, I'm out. Or are we going to say, oh, Jesus, where else am I going to go? No one else can save me like you saved me. No one else is who you are and claims to be who you are. Jesus, we're all in. Ruth was all in. She says, your God will be my God. Do you know Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Lord and Savior of your life? There's a third thing I want you to notice, and that is people. She says, your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Ruth is confessing her love for Naomi's people. Ruth is totally committed to the Lord and his people. This echoes Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. I quoted it last week where God says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Naomi, or Ruth recognizes Naomi is an Israelite. She's part of the people of God. And so Ruth says, look, I'm all in. Your people, Israel, will be my people. Peter writes this. I mentioned it last week. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Ruth says, I'm all in. Your people will be my people. Can you say that? Listen, we're not Israel. We need to pray for Israel. We're not Israel. We're part of the church. We're part of the family of God. Northside Baptist Church, if this is where you have committed yourself, if you've joined here, you're a member here, this is your church. What we did this morning was family business because they're family. This is, this is family. Now hear me. In an I world, belonging to a church, being committed to a local body of believers, Gathering with those said believers to love them and serve them, help them, encourage them, hear me, bear their burdens. That's a foreign concept. What you see a lot today is this. Hey, I'll take your God, but I want nothing to do with the church. I'll take your God, but I want nothing to do with the people of God. That is a foreign concept, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament with the church. Why? Because the Bible teaches we are family. We are the household of God. We are the body of Christ. So what do we do? We make a covenant. God, I'm believing you in Jesus Christ. You are my God. And now I'm going to belong to a people. So we make a covenant with one another. We weep with one another. We rejoice 
with one another. We love one another. We are committed to helping each other be disciples who make disciples. We're all in. Are you all in with the body of Christ? Can you say, Jesus, you're my God, and Northside, they're my people. These are my people. And if you don't belong to a church, is God calling you to belong here to Northside to say, hey, those people are my people. I'm three months behind. I keep saying I've been here 15 months. I've been here now almost 18 months. I don't know, time flies when you're having fun, right? Some of you have been here much longer than that. Some of you have been here shorter than that. This is the people of God. I want you to look around. These are your peeps. These are your brothers and sisters. You're all in with this, with this group of people. This is what God is calling you to. And Ruth makes this covenant. And we need to make this covenant with one another. And there is one last word, and I do not want you to miss this. It is in verse 8, and it is the word kindly. But Naomi said to her two, her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. And this is a prayer she's offering up for them. May the Lord deal kindly with you. That word for kindly is the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed. It's a, it's a little word. In essence, Hebrew word summarizes the totality of Almighty God. In this one word, one Hebrew word, you get this idea. That this word speaks of God's love, his mercy, his kindness, his patience, and his faithfulness. Now, do not miss this. Because the author does not want you to miss this. Look at verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, with her. Is that what it says? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, her daughter-in-law, with her. No, there's a description there. Do you see it? Ruth is called what? A Moabite. She's called a Moabite many, many times in this short letter. Why? Because the author wants you and I to know that Ruth is an outsider. She's an outcast. She's a Gentile. She's a non-Jew. You fast forward to the New Testament, if you're not Jewish, they would have believed you're outside of the gospel. Like you're, you're not part of the people of God. You're an outsider. Yet here is this Moabite woman who receives the Lord as her God. And this shows God's sovereign grace to save sinners. This is the glory of the gospel that God saves outsiders, wretched sinners like you and like me. Warren Wearsby, I thought this was really helpful, says when you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, you find the names of five women. One of them is Mary, and Mary becomes pregnant right by the grace of God, or she's a virgin, and so that's the grace of God. You find five women, Mary plus four others. The four others who are mentioned have very questionable credentials, he says. Tamar committed incest with her father-in-law. Rahab was a Gentile harlot. Ruth was an outcast Gentile Moabite. And the wife of Uriah was an adulteress. And yet somehow, all four of those women with shady past and shady characters and a shady history, an outsider, somehow, all four of them wind up in the genealogy of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. What does that say to you, church? It says that our God is a gracious God. And Warren Wearsby says, through the sovereign grace and mercy of God, they are brought into the family of God. In our I world, we think we can save ourselves. 
we think, man, we are sufficient. We think God loves me, well, because I'm just a lovable kind of guy. But the reality is that you and I are lost, separated from God, wretched, wicked, rebellious sinners, and we are on our way to hell. You see, this I world, what they need is not more I. They need Jesus. Jesus is the only answer for an I world. Jesus is the only answer for you and for me. We need the grace and mercy of God. Jesus is the answer that Naomi needs. As she's struggling with the bitterness dealing within her heart, Jesus was her answer. Jesus is the answer that Ruth needs. And centuries later, through the line of Ruth, through the line of David, ultimately, right, the Messiah will come. Jesus is the answer that you and I need. Jesus is our Emmanuel. God had declared in the Old Testament, right, that he would come and be with his people, that he would be their God and they would be with him. Jesus lived out that declaration to the fullest extent. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. When you hear Ruth say, where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, I can't help but think of Jesus, who said, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to live among you, and I'm going to live a sinless, perfect life, and I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die upon the cross for you so that you can be reconciled with my Father and your God. Jesus Christ is the answer. Hear me as we close. We were the orphan, and God has adopted us through Jesus Christ. We were the widow, and Jesus Christ has become our bridegroom. We were the stranger, and the outcast, and the outsider. And God, through Jesus Christ, has made us citizens of heaven. We were the poor, and we were the destitute. And Jesus has given us a glorious inheritance. Oh, God has visited us with his grace. And it is the grace of God that transforms these self-centered, narcissistic hearts into hearts that love God and love people. Hear me, through Jesus Christ, you have been changed. What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot do that if you're going to live for self. You cannot do that in these fallen sinful bodies with fallen sinful hearts and minds. So what do you need? You need to be transformed from the inside out. You need to be made new. You need to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. You need your sins forgiven, washed white as snow, and then the Spirit of God comes inside of you, causes you to be born again, changes you, so that when you live your life, you don't look like the godless pagan who works next to you. You don't look like the family member that is unsaved. You don't look like them. Why don't you look like them? Because you don't look like them inside. Because inside you have been changed. And what we see here in Ruth is this young woman stand up and make this pledge to her mother-in-law. And we're going to see how God continues to work through her. You're being changed ought to change your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Has Jesus Christ changed that about you? Can you say, hey, I, I'm going to make a covenant with God. I'm going to make a covenant with, with people. I want to be all in loving on them and telling them about Jesus Christ. Ruth is an example. Well, Ruth is ultimately pointing us to Jesus Christ. 
for he is our greatest example. Do you know Jesus, and has he changed your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, sometimes your word comforts us, and it encourages us, and, and builds us up, and sometimes, Lord, your word just convicts us, and it cuts us, and it rebukes us. Lord, your word has been spoken. Your word has gone forth. Now, now, God, do what you desire with your word. Save who needs to be saved. Convict who needs to be convicted. Encourage the brother or sister who needs to be encouraged. Lord, help us as we live our lives in a lost, fallen world, in I world. Help us to live not for I, but to live for our good and great God, the true God, the one true God. And may we declare our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to sing a couple verses of have thine own way, Lord. I'll be here at the front. If you have anything you need to share, any way you want to pray, you can come kneel while we sing a couple verses. You stand and let's sing together. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the If you'll be seated for just a moment. So Miss Barbara came in this morning just teasing me. Miss Barbara's our clerk, and she said, do we have anybody joining today? I said, I'm not aware of anybody, but in fact, we do have a family joining today. It's a family that's been attending church with us for a, a while, and so we're so excited about this. So if you guys will just stand, and you can just stand, everybody can see, and you can just kind of wave. There we go. So this is, there we go. All right, y'all can be seated. So you all know who this is. This is Paul and Cynthia Carter, and then Jerry and Joey uh, as well. And so they are all believers in Jesus Christ. They've all followed him in believer's baptism. And so they're coming to join us by letter today from Rama Baptist in Palmetto. Um, so 
Um, and we're so thankful for you all and, and how the Lord's already using you here and, and what he's going to do going forward. And I try to remind us whenever this happens that, that we are a family, right? And so what, they're, they're not just making a contract today to say, hey, we're going to show up. They know from having served Jesus in other churches, they're all in. They're making a covenant. And so we make a covenant with them. And we're going to help them, encourage them, uh, allow them to use their gifts that God has given them to serve here in Northside so that we can go out and impact uh, this community for Jesus. So, um, so if you will, before you leave, just stop by and let them know how excited you are for them um, and that you'll just rejoice in that. And if you do rejoice in their decision uh, to join with us today, will you just give a hearty amen? Amen. 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 Yeah, we can clap for them again. All right, just um, some announcements quickly. Uh, so tonight at 4.30, from 4.30 to 6, we're going to have a reception for our graduates in the fellowship hall. That's open to anyone in the church. It's not just for their family. It's church-wide. We want you to come, just love on them, support them. So that's from 4.30 to 6. At 6 o'clock, we'll come in here, and we'll go through our quarterly conference. That should take 25 or 30 minutes. It doesn't usually take that long unless you're going to throw me a curveball that I'm not aware of. Um, uh, but, but it'll be good. Uh, promotion Sunday. Please, please read the bulletin. Please pay attention. Just everybody, promise me right now. Because I've heard lately, some people don't read the bulletin. Promise me right now, at some point today, you're going to read through the bulletin. Every one of you is going to read through the bulletin. So I don't have to make all these announcements. So Promotion Sunday, NBC's Got Talent, International Food Fellowship. we got VBS, um, our baby bottles. Uh, there's a baby bottle. They're all out of here. There's not any baby bottles left in here. I put them all out in the foyer. Not only are you to read the bulletin, there are to be no baby bottles in the foyer when I walk out there in a little while, okay? Take every, if you see a baby bottle, just take it. If, even if you only put $2 in there, that's $2. $2 more than the pregnancy center had. So take those bottles, fill them up, bring them back by um, Father's Day. And thanks to my writing it down, we have an announcement. That missed, who's making the announcement? Emma's making the announcement. Come on, Emma, you got to make an announcement. Come on. Emma apparently at one point was shy when you were younger, right? But not anymore. That was before Chick-fil-A. So, um, I'm making a scrapbook of, if y'all could write down, or you can meet me and my mom, we have these papers of words of wisdom just for me to take to college. Um, and so y'all can get them today and then bring them back tonight, or we'll have them tonight. But I just want to have a scrapbook of all words of wisdom from all of my family here at Northside. So. Awesome. Hey, please come tonight at 4.30. Sometime between 4.30 and 6, you just come in, drop in, um, just fellowship with them, and let them know that you're happy for them, but also that you're going to make a covenant to pray with them. All right, Mr. Bill Bailey is the Deacon of the Week, so Bill, if you'll come and close us out with a word of prayer. Make sure you get your baby bottles. Make sure you come speak with the Carters and tell them how excited you are uh, to have them with us. If you'll stand, Bill, close us with a word of prayer, brother. Let's pray together. Uh, gracious God, thank you for meeting us in your house today. Thank you for your word. Through Pastor Aaron, and uh, dear God, we need your strength to, uh, to love different than the world so the world will see you working in us. Thank you for your mandate to us today to love, to love deeply, to love each other with a commitment. Uh, we thank you for it. And uh, be with us as we go uh, out this coming week. Dear Lord, help us to remember 
uh, and to follow. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.